Uh, well, good evening to you. I am not Sean, nor am I Bill. Uh, I am Chris Renwick, and it's good to be with you here on the Gridiron Wrap. Uh, Sean's off tonight, uh, so you'll have me. Bill will be joining us uh, just momentarily. Uh, we have uh, wrapped on uh, the Lions game out at Mile High. And, uh, look, I-, I think a couple of things are in play here. Uh, number one, it- they don't go back-to-back dubs. Uh, they lose this one 38-10. At, at halftime, 17-10, Broncos take a quick 14-0 lead early in the game. Lions come back. They draw it within seven. Then they draw it within four. It was 14-3, and Broncos kicked a late last-minute uh, field goal as time expired uh, to go into the half 17-10. Felt pretty good. You know, felt pretty good. You knew that Denver was going to be emotional with the death of Demarius Thomas, the untimely, unfortunate, tragic death of Demarius Thomas. And you knew the Lions, they had some juice coming in from last week. They pick up their first win of the year, first win in nearly a year on the calendar. And Dan Campbell's first win as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. It was an emotional week in Allen Park. But they couldn't get it done today. They had a a really, really rough second half. I mean, they got to score 21 to nothing. They didn't put any points on the board in quarters three or four. And and look, I, I think you need to be mindful of where this team, where this organization, where this staff is at right now. And, and, I'm so happy that Bill Penis is here because he's the one uh, who can break all this down for it. How are you, Billy? Nice to see you. <laughs> you too, Chris. Very good to see you. Just uh, finished up my uh, NFL game, and uh, the score was similar to the Lions. Yes. So the Giants did come back a little bit. At the they end. did. They did. They made something of it, but the Chargers ran away with that one, 37-21. I, yeah. I was talking about this game out at Mile High. Um, And and I think that, you know, to me, this record doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that they're 11, one and and one, uh, one, 11 and one doesn't matter. um, You know, they're not going to win the division. They're not going to none of that. None of that matters. What matters is they're trying to to set up an identity. They're trying to to create and lay the foundation of, look, you're going to fight all four quarters. And this mm-hmm. is, you know, people laugh about the knee biting thing and, and all the, that, that stuff. But, but in reality, what you're doing is you're setting up a scrappy, physical, hard nosed football team. So throw the records out the window. Doesn't matter. The lions do at least in most of their games this year, play mm-hmm. four quarters. They play right. hard throughout the game. They do. And I, I'm going to tell you playing in Denver is unique. You know, you, you walk, into the locker room and and there used to be, I presume there still is a big sign that has the elevation. You are one mile above, (laughs) you know, and uh, they remind you of the uh, reality of playing in, in that uh, atmosphere, if you will. And there is something to it. I mean, there is. Um, But uh, I, I think in addition to what you said, Chris, I mean, today there were so many players especially for the lions, obviously that were putting, they were, they were building their resume. Yeah. I mean, they were putting a lot of things on tape 
And w- w- there's a lot of young guys, a lot of one-year contract yep. guys, and they're going to play hard because they're trying to earn they have that. To. Yeah, they're going to try yeah. to earn that contract for next year. They do want to be a part of something and give Dan credit. He's getting them to play hard. And it was a, it, you know, Denver jumps out to a lead and then it didn't, it didn't immediately get away from the lines. They came back, made it a game into the second half. And uh, I think that's a testament to Dan. It, it, it has to be because uh, I, I remember some games in Denver over the years where one in particular, we had a week prior that all kind of things went bad for us on yeah. and off the field. And I remember going into the production meeting and it was Hank Stram was doing the color and I, I'm not sure who was doing the play by play, but uh, like I said, there were three or four things that happened to our team that week going out to the game. And I remember saying to Hank, Hank, you know, you know better than anyone, Hank, when a team, <laughs> when a team goes through this, through this type of adversity, um, it does one of two things. It, it just brings it together or it splinters it. And I think, yeah. you know, this week has hardened us. And uh, and he was listening, listening to this young PR guy. And, oh, by the way, we lost 35 nothing. <laughs> so, oh, so much for what I, what I thought might happen. But. How much does that altitude play into, into not only the guys in the field, but even game planning? Like, how does right. that alter what they do? Well, I think, I think a lot of it is physical, but the mental part of it, and it's how your head coach approaches it. If he starts the week with, okay, here's where we're going. Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Here is why we need to do this different. It will help us. It won't be an issue. Um, and so I think a lot of it has to do with how the coaches approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, the same, you know, over the years, there's been philosophies. If you're an East Coast team, going west you go out two days early we used to do that a lot in the 80s and 90s into the 2000s now teams have have gotten to point where let's keep it routine let's keep it the same if if the head coach doesn't make a big deal out of it it's what you emphasize really sure it's it's what you emphasize to the team in that monday meeting you know getting prepared to play the broncos is it a factor yeah it's it's a factor like going to miami in September would be, or going to like we used to go to Tampa every year, yep. um, some brutally hot games uh, down there. So it, it's if you're prepared, in every team now, not just the Lions, have experts when it comes to hydration and nutrition. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so different than it used to be. Um, I mean, these players' mm-hmm. bodies are taken care of uh, impeccably when it comes to the knowledge that these exercise scientists have and the nutritionists and the coaches hire the, the people, the professionals in those areas to do their job. And I'm sure there was some adjustment for Denver logically. Sure. Um, I mean, it was a beautiful day from all accounts. I guess the temperature was in the fifties, yeah. so that wasn't an issue, but uh, yeah, there, there are adjustments, but again, it, I believe at least it comes down to that, that first meeting, that team meeting on Monday and how the coach sets the stage for wherever you're playing. Uh, it, what doesn't help is the the amount of guys and the guys at key positions that were out today and that have been out all year. I mean, look, this team's been hit really hard with the injuries. Yeah. And, and, and do I think that if a lot of these guys stayed healthy, uh, their record would be different? I do. But welcome to the NFL. Uh, right. you know, everybody right. deals with something like mm-hmm. this, but, but today was particularly rough, you know, Jamal Williams out 
because of COVID protocol. Uh, you already don't have DeAndre Swift because of the shoulder. Then you've got guys like Tracy Walker, uh, Mark Gilbert, Ify Melifonu all out because of, of COVID. Um, and, and so, uh, again, uh, when you don't have guys like Julian Okora, uh, one of your pass rushers, or you don't have Jalen Reeves-Maben in that front seven, I mean, that can hurt you. And then a guy like TJ Hawkinson, who – when DeAndre Swift is out, uh, is probably your number one target. Yeah. He's out. Yeah. So you're yeah. already dealing with a shortened, uh, you know, receiving core. You're already dealing with a thinned out running back room. And so I thought that that first half was good, that they were mm-hmm. in it, and then everything just got away from them there. Right. right. And and you're right, Chris. And the other factor that I believe has a significant impact, not only on preparation for today's game, but on really the entire season is guys aren't getting to practice together and that Mm -hmm. makes a difference uh and some of the stuff that happened this week you didn't start that team meeting on monday knowing you were going to deal with this stuff with the with the flu and the covid and that that definitely causes disruptions in the day-to-day planning and preparation but again it all gets back to the head coach and you know there used to be you know, years ago where injuries were, oh my, oh gosh, you know, you know, why are we all blah, blah, blah. But the coaches that say, it's not a matter of if we're going to have injuries, it's when. And you talk about depth, you talk about, you know, next man up and, you know, versatile players. Um, That, that really is the key. And, and over the years, over the years, Teams that have the fewest number of starters miss because of injury are yeah. almost always in the playoffs. I remember yeah. my my first year with the Lions, 85, when the Bears had their run. The Bears that year, or let me, let me back up, the Lions that year, we had starters miss over 100 games. Mm-hmm. We finished 7-9 and nine that year, decent season. We were in it toward the end we, we still had games to play that meant something in december the bears that year the super bowl shuffle year they had only oh. 11 games missed by starters and when you do wow. that you're gonna win you're gonna win yeah and uh so that some of that's luck some of it that sure comes down to training and preparation but yeah uh injuries are a reality so yeah and, and when you can when you can gel and create that type of you know, uh, chemistry like that, it's yeah. only going to help you. Uh, yeah. All right, I'll tell you what, we got to take a break. Uh, I want to come back on the other side. I want to talk to you about uh, the, the Heisman stuff yeah. uh, because we got our Heisman one mm-hmm. yesterday. We'll get you updated on scores around the league. Uh, a lot have gone uh, final for, for tonight. Uh, and then and then I want to talk to you too about this wacky decision by the NFL to all of a sudden ban the fake slide. Can we do that? We'll do do all that next. Gridiron Wrap continues here on WJR. More next. All right, Chris Renwick in for Sean tonight, joined by my friend Bill Keenest. Uh, you know, Bill, I the Browns have been so up and down all yeah. year. It's just yeah. they are on the all they're 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 uh the top thrill dragster at Cedar Point. Mm-hmm. It's just this roller coaster <laughs> of the year. Uh I, I had them coming into this game against Baltimore. Uh, I just didn't think they had it in them. I I just right. didn't. And and they got out against the birds early. Uh, took a big time lead. Uh, it was twenty four to to six at half. Um, and it just looked like Cleveland was going to blow them away. And then 
the Ravens just came back, chipped away, yeah. And, yeah. and came back, brought it within two, um, and then Cleveland on a big-time fourth-down stop, stop Baltimore. Uh-huh. They win that one 24-22. to um, You got to give it to Cleveland, uh, fighting through all kinds of adversity, the Odell yep. Beckham Jr. crap, mm-hmm. uh, and to to go out, win that game on the road, that's a big-time win for Cleveland. That's a huge win, and I think they built their team with those two running backs. I mean, yeah. you know, a great offensive line, but, they, but what we were just talking about, they really got decimated for a period, maybe three or four games of injuries where they didn't have either of those backs. Yeah. I think Nick Chubb's as good as there is in the league. And so they get the, you know, some pieces back today and the Browns did to the Ravens, what the Ravens usually do to everyone else. You know, they, they, uh, you know, and the Ravens have had two similar games come down to the last minute only to lose. I mean, they, they had that opportunity last week against the Steelers where they tried the two point and failed, uh, went for the win instead of the tie. And then today's game, but, and then you got Cincinnati that, uh, you know, was down big to the 49ers. Now that game's tied in the fourth, the fourth quarter. And it looks like it's yep. going to overtime. So yep. from week to week, you just don't know, but, uh, yeah, yeah, they're there. Uh, that's why we love football. That's why we love the NFL. You really just don't know. You just don't. And, 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 and look, there's nobody probably better to talk about this than with you. But it just feels like this year, not only are we getting so many different swings, yeah. but but we're seeing things like I've never seen before, like a lot of scores, like today even. I mean, look at this uh, this Chiefs game, 48-9? Yeah. to right. nine? You're right, Christian. I mean, that's, I, that's a crazy margin. Crazy. And I remember, I, I saw that score, and I was thinking back to, I don't know what point in the season it was, maybe about the first month in, the Raiders appeared to be playing as good as anybody in the lake. They were on a roll and then they got hit with the John Gruden stuff. And it just, then they, they reacted, won a couple games, but you know, we talk about the, the, you know, up and down nature, the roller coaster reality that these teams go through. But the key is to be heading up that roller coaster in December. You know, if you're doing that, because there have been so many teams over the years like I, I mentioned, I had the Giants this year. And I remember uh, the year they, they went to the Super Bowl and lost to Baltimore when Jim Fossil, after our we beat them at the Meadowlands, the Lions beat them, and he made a guarantee, we are making the playoffs. And they were 6-6 six and six at the time. We wow. are making the playoffs, and we're going to win. And they did. And the Giants, a couple times uh, – you know, they made the playoffs on the last week of the season. One time they made it as the wild card and won the Super Bowl. The Steelers, when they when they yeah. uh played in Detroit, when they beat Seattle, they made it on the last week of the season and won every road game. So it's gonna be like that, and that's where you need a head coach not to overreact, not to underreact, just to keep keep the team together. And like I said, if you're going up that hill in December, you're you're uh you're, you're going to play for something. You really are. Uh, meantime, the Bills have pulled it within three right. of Tampa Bay with about three minutes left. Tom Brady just sacked on third down. It's wow. fourth and 16. Tampa's going to have to punt it away. Again, about three minutes left. Yeah. Uh, it's the Bucks over the Bills right now, 20 
four, or excuse me, 27 to 24. And, and uh, boy, uh, we'll, we'll keep you posted on that one. Cause that's yeah. going to be interesting. Another interesting game that we saw today, Tennessee beats Jacksonville 20 to nothing. Yeah. Is uncle urban done? Is he, wow. is he dead? <laughs> wow. I tell you, I, uh, I actually saw Jacksonville play at Cincinnati earlier in the season. The game went down to the very last player overtime. I'm, I'm trying to remember, but it Cincinnati won by a field goal. And I was really impressed with how athletic uh, Jacksonville's team was, especially defense, fast, athletic, uh, really ran to the ball well. And I was impressed with Lawrence, the, the rookie QB. Um, and they've had some really close games that they've mm-hmm. lost. They've been in games. They when they beat Buffalo a few about a month or five yep. weeks ago. So they've shown they can do it. But with a young team, a young team logically is a little more fragile mentally, emotionally than a veteran team. And with the stuff going on outside the walls, um, that's tough. That's hard. Because it it involves your when it involves your head coach especially because he's the one that's standing in front of the team meeting yep. addressing those issues. It's it's yep. different if it's a player or someone else, but when it's the guy that's got to deliver the message and the message is about him that you got to deal with, that's got to make it difficult. It just has to. Uh, I want to run through a couple of these scores and get to the Heisman yep. stuff. Saints over the Jets, thirty to nine. Cowboys all but. Locking up the division, uh, they beat Washington today, 27-20. Falcons over the Panthers, 29-21. It was the Seahawks over the Texans, 33-13. Chargers beat the Giants, 37-21. Tonight, we got Bears-Packers from Lambeau as well. Uh, Last night, Heisman Trophy uh, announced, awarded Bryce Young, uh, quarterback at Alabama. They go back-to-back years winning the trophy. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson comes in number two. Were you surprised that Aiden came in at number two? I wasn't shocked at all that Bryce Young was the winner of the thing. Um, I, no. I was a little surprised that Aiden Hutchinson had had uh, enough votes to come in at number two, though. Right, and there was obviously a lot of discussions about you know who should have been there, who shouldn't have been there. K yep. nine from Michigan State. Everybody thought he should have been. Should have been there. I think, and this isn't the first year. I think there has to be an examination of when the voting takes place. It should almost be a case where the ballots are not sent out until mm-hmm. after the cha- the conference championship games are played, because sure. it sounds like there were a lot of people that voted earlier in the year, but then Hutchison makes a, you know, a national splash against Ohio state and in the Big Ten championship game. So he obviously got a lot of votes. So yep. I I remember, Chris, uh, it was the 97 season. And that's when uh, AP voted for the MVP in the NFL. But, I mean, incredulously, I say, they voted with two games left in the regular season. With two games left. So all the votes were in. And the Lions, we won a game in Minnesota, a touchdown pass to Herman Moore under a minute to go. And then we came back for the essentially a playoff game against the Jets. And that was the game Barry went over 2,000 yards. And it was, and we won the game, made the playoffs. And Barry and Brett Favre ended up tied for the MVP that year. And to his credit, 
to his credit, uh, one of the Lions beat writers, Kurt Sylvester of the Free Press, uh, had enough integrity to admit, hey, I'll be honest, I voted for Brett. But the, the votes were due two weeks earlier. If they wow. had been after the season, mm-hmm. I would have voted for Barry. So I remember yeah. calling uh, Dave Goldberg at AP, who was the sports editor. And I said, Dave, and I had a percentage picked out. Uh, picked out. I said, Dave, you're saying when it comes to this that, you know, two of the 16 games don't matter. You know, tell that to teams mm-hmm. that make the playoffs on the last week, let alone right. the next to last week. Every game matters. Why shouldn't it matter for the AP, uh, for the for the MVP award? Right. And they changed it. They changed it. Um, I think it was the next year, actually, because they saw the and it wasn't, uh, you know, anything that was an issue everywhere. It was just one, mm-hmm. one of those things, you know, it was probably put into place when the league played 14 games. Who sure. knows? Sure. You know, and, you know, get it done before Christmas, maybe. I don't know, because yep. yep. the season used to end before Christmas. Yep. Um, but it got changed. And I think with respect to the Heisman, at least they should look at that. When is yep. the ballot distributed? Um, when, I mean, electronic, with the electronics today, you don't need but a, a day or two to, sure. to vote. And the other thing that I've heard a lot of uh, in the past week um, is who's voting for the Heisman? And a lot of them are beat writers. Yep radio personnel and they're covering teams on Saturday. They don't have time. And if they're doing their job, they don't have time to worry about what's going on. So what are they doing, Chris? They're looking at stats. Maybe they're listening, you know, they're following Twitter that that's a tough nut dare to crack. Well, and let's be honest, stats don't tell the whole story. No. And, and, and you look at the impact that, and look, I'm not advocating for Aiden Hutchinson to win. I think the right guy won, but, but when you look at somebody who has, okay, 13, 14 sacks, 33 tackles for loss, well, you're like, okay, well, that's a nice year. Um, but what does that really mean? Like really right. dig in and, and figure out how much how, the percentage of time rushing the passer and, and impacting a throw mm-hmm. or impacting the play or or right. uh, or tipping a ball. Like there are so many ways that as a pass rusher, you can impact a, a throw or a run. Whereas, well, if you're a quarterback, you throw for 350 yards and five mm-hmm. touchdowns. It's a flashy number. It that's no It's very cut and dry. So I think no that question. there needs to be a, a, an examination of weighing certain things and and maybe mm-hmm. not weighing certain statistics in a way that right. you kind of level this thing out for everybody on whether you're on the offensive side or the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I agree, and I think I think if if Michigan didn't have Hutchison playing, I'm not sure. I'm, no. I mean, it's a t- it's a team game. We know that, but no. I'm not sure they beat Ohio State. Um, nope. And I'm not sure they had some of those close wins they had during the season. Nope. I think Alabama, I mean, you're not only game planning for the quarterback, you're game in, game planning for the receivers, the tight end, the running backs. And, and not to discredit that young man, he's an incredibly talented. Is he, he the sure best is. player in college football? Perhaps. Um, yeah. But with Aiden, I mean, what he did, he affected – the entire offense of the opposition yep. and, and you call them, I call them game planners. So when uh, the OC for Ohio state started putting together the game plan, they're focused on him first and foremost. Yep. Yep. And when that ball gets snapped and I, I compare it to when Barry played for us, uh-huh. when, when, when Barry was in the backfield and that ball got snapped, 
there were 11 sets of eyes that were taking a glance at him, no matter what. They just wanted to make sure they wanted to take Have a to. glance at him yep. to see if he's going to get the ball or if there's something they can read from his first step. Uh, they're doing that same thing with Hutchinson because sure. you talk and, and you know this, Chris, the way the rules have favored offenses lately, big time in the NFL and in collegiate ball to a, a lesser degree, but still significant degree. What is the most important position on a team? Maybe, maybe it is the defensive end, the guys on the outside rushing because your back seven, you know, they're getting, they're getting rules put into place. So the offenses get right. favor, right? Yep. But I don't yep. think there have been any rules for the outside rush guys. And, uh, and so is there a more important player on a, on a defense? I don't think so. And, yeah. um, but all in all, yeah, the, uh, you know, the, the, the Heisman, I mean, we go back to when we were young and it, it was just such a in, incredibly anticipated moment, especially if you had, uh, you know, one of your, your, your teams had a player that was invited. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, just big uh, deal. It, it is. It's as big yeah, as it's big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, big deal. Uh, by the way, uh, Kenneth Walker should have been there. We'll take a no break. Doubt. More gridiron wrap <laughs> coming up next. Uh, see, that's a very interesting question. We're, we're talking here, me, uh, Chris Renwick, and for John Belegian with Bill Keenis, uh, uh, talking about the Heisman and, and whether or not, you know, certain guys should have been there. We, we both agree that, that Kenny Walker should have been there. Um, but, but you talked about um, um, Kenny Pickett and, and his right. role there. Um, and, and whether or not, you know, the, the some of the things that happened to him throughout the year, whether or not that bought him a ticket. Right. And I, I'm a Pitt fan. I grew up in Pittsburgh and have the fondest memories of going to Old Pitt Stadium and watching so many of Tony Dorsett's games. Mm-hmm. And when they won the national title, when he won the Heisman in 76 and some players after that. In fact, I, uh, I had a newspaper internship when I was in college and I actually covered Dan Marino's final high school game. It was an all-star game. Wow. And I was sitting and was at a high school stadium. And I ended up sitting next to Jackie Sherrill, who became Dan's college coach. And my lead to my story, I remember it like it was yesterday. And it was essentially, when does a lead for an all-star game story ever start with an incompleted pass? Well, the first play of the game they they call a go route and Marino seven step drop goes back and he throws the ball 70 yards in the air and the whole stadium just like went whoa and and I I turned to as, Cheryl as a as a high school senior as a high school kid I turned to Cheryl and I didn't talk to him but he had the biggest smile on his face because it's like wow but uh so yeah Danny Marino was incredibly talented but as we were talking, Chris, um, what what became part of the storyline with Kenny Pickett, appropriately so, is he's breaking all of Dan Marino's records. Right. Danny Marino's records, the Hall of Famer, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. He has to be great. Yep. Okay. Uh, I, I agree. He's a tremendous college quarterback. But if it wasn't Dan Marino's records he right. was breaking with that, would that have swung some votes that it likely did with those voters that we talked about that yep. really aren't studying the teams and the players the way they should? 
Yeah. Uh, interesting. Uh, you know, and then, you know, I, I was, uh, I, I got to call the quick lane bowl a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, with, with, it was pit EMU and, mm-hmm. and you could see then a couple of years ago, this yeah. was what, two years ago now, 2019, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you could see that Kenny Pickett was a little different. You could see that he was, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I know quarterbacks don't like to be labeled as game managers. Mm-hmm. It's like demeaning mm-hmm. to them, but right. K- Kenny Pickett is a game manager and, and he mm-hmm. turned into a baller and, yeah. and this year yeah. he was balling and, right. and he really elevated his game to another level. And, and it was interesting because in that ACC championship game, they, they go out and win, but, but he had that 58 yard run where he had the yeah. slide. Now yeah. I got to be honest with you. I saw that and I'm thinking, Oh, the NCAA isn't going to like that. They're mm-hmm. not going to like that because mm-hmm. this poses a serious conundrum because when mm-hmm. you're giving yourself up, that means that the defenders need to let up. Because if they come in hard, they're going to get flagged. So they are now, it's like in their DNA where they got to pull back when they see you start to slide. Mm -hmm. But if you slide head first, it's a totally different ball game. You're Mm -hmm. a live player. You can be hit. You can, you know, Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I got to be honest. And here's my opinion. I want yours, Mm -hmm. Mm Bokinist. I hated that the NCAA (laughs) came out and made that illegal. Right. Because at that point, what is the difference of being a live player in the field, you know, juking right. to your left, spinning to your right, whatever it is. Now, the only thing is it, it brings the defenders into play where they have to mm-hmm. let up or, or come in hard. Mm-hmm. But at, at that point, I'm going to gamble with it. Mm-hmm. Either I'm going to fake and you're going to hit me right. or, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go down and you're not going to hit me either way. You know, you got to make a decision. Everybody's got to make a decision. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's fascinating for one. And I, I mean, you know, kudos to Kenny Pickett for realizing in a split second in a conference championship game that he had the opportunity to do yeah. that. No, wait, hold on. I, let me just say, let me just say, I, you've watched a couple more football games than I have, but, yeah. but uh, I have never seen that. Have you ever no, seen that I, before? I don't believe I have. No, I don't. And here's what I, believe could be a difference in why the NCAA applies that rule. What What is the most talked about, at least from my perspective, talked about rule in the NCAA in college football? Good and bad, like it, hate it. It's, it, it, it's, uh, it's the, either roughing the passer or targeting. It's targeting. Yeah. So I think the, the opposition to what Kenny did it, they're going to say, you know what? I thought he was, I thought he was faking. Boom. Yeah. And then they're right. going to hit him. And, and, and I will say, I remember when the, uh, when the NFL put a huge emphasis on uh, in the grasp with quarterbacks, big time, big time. In the first year, there were so many times, especially early in the year where it went both ways, mm-hmm. where a defender would have, just a you know a finger full of jersey play dead or you know they would be able to go in for for a hit and then back off and the play would stay alive yeah so it's such a subjective reality in those situations and i know player safety is paramount at both levels but um 
Yeah, I I just think I I mean kudos to Kenny. It'll be the picket play or the picket roll from now on. And, it will. Um, yeah, it will. And it yeah, and it's good for him. But I I think it you know directly or indirectly it really has some targeting overtones to it. Sure. Because I you know the defensive guys we've all seen plays where what's the guy supposed to do? Sure. You know, the, the offensive guy made a move. He reacted or didn't react or the offensive player did something not expected. And the, and the defender gets, gets targeting. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, well, and then, you is- know, us schmucks are sitting at home on the couch and then, and then we get this. Well, I guess if you're, if you're, if you're watching a Fox game, you get no replays, but if you're watching any <laughs> other game, you get yeah. a replay and you see it and it's slow motion. And you're like, well, of course yeah. that's targeting. Of course. But it's so yeah. bang, bang. And it's guys going down and guys come. It, right. It's it when you see it in a slow motion fashion, it just yep. seems so much more egregious. But it really, oftentimes, isn't. Right, and 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 the thing that that I've I've heard or read more this year, I think, than previous years, is um, you know the 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 offensive players that have benefited from it, uh, both in college and and even in the NFL with some late hits, they'll say, hey, this is football, um, you know. I, I, I didn't think it, I thought it was a clean play hit. And uh, so there, there's a line, it's hard to go over. And, yeah. um, and I, I, I do understand safety has to be a, a priority, but uh, you don't want to take much away from the game that, uh, that has made it as popular as it is. Well, I think you, you, when you look at it and, and take it even to another step, I mean, the NCAA and, and really the NFL, but in this case, the NCAA is always looking for ways to improve player safety, whether that's right. concussion protocols, whether that's new equipment, like better helmets, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they've kind of taken this to another level here now. And so I think that when you look at it, you got to say, at least even for somebody like me, who doesn't necessarily agree with the NCAA's decision here, I think you got to look at it and say, well, they're willing and looking at everything at all times, because that was a a, a mostly innocuous play. I mean, it was, it was pretty Mm -hmm. much harmless. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you got to look like you're saying in a much more broad scheme to say, right. Looking down the line, there could be some serious ramifications here, and we got to put the kibosh on it now. You're right about it. Uh, Coming up next, I do want to get your input a little bit about it, too, because uh, you live in Oxford. You have a very, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, unique kind of perspective on what's going on. Uh, as a result of the deadly shooting at the high school there, but we've got a couple of teams locally that are carrying that, that mantra that they're, yeah. they're carrying that block O with them. Um, and it looks like they're going to do it with uh, for the rest of their season. So I want to talk to you about that on the other side, as we continue with Bill Keenis, Chris Runwick in for Sean Belegian tonight on gridiron wrap on WJ or don't go anywhere. We're back in a second. Uh, Chris Renwick in for Sean tonight, along with my friend Bill Keenis, uh, here on gridiron wrap. And, 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 you know, I think that, that when we, you know, you watch a game today like the Lions, and and they got blown out, right? Like there's there's no way around it. They didn't play a very good, good football game. Um, they lost thirty eight to ten, but but they try really hard, and and that's obvious. And and they're trying to build something better there in Allen Park, right? And and I think that in that kind of same vein, you, you, you when you talk about building something better, you talk about building. You know, you, you try to are always trying to do better. And and, and you look mm-hmm. at the back of their helmets and they've got the Oxford O mm-hmm. as a as a helmet decal. It's wonderful. I think it's a it's yeah. a, it's a nice tribute. 
Um, you know, even last week against the Vikings, I mean, everybody was was in Oxford gear. Both Lions mm-hmm. uh, and Viking players were were in Oxford yeah. gear, and Dan Campbell had the hat on the whole game and in the presser. And it was, you know, it's 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 a it's an easy way. It's a nice way that you can keep a connection or fly the flag and say we're here for you. Mm-hmm. We're, we're we got to do something else. We got to go play this football game, but we're here for you. We're thinking about you, and and, and we don't want to yep. lose sight. Michigan doing the same thing. Uh, they've got the patch mm-hmm. the forty two for Tate Meyer, uh, the, the football player mm-hmm. who was. Uh, who was who was shot and killed uh, in the incident at the high school, and um, you got the four hearts for the four people who were shot, and and um, and then they go out and score forty two points at the championship game. Uh, it was just, it's a, it's a wonderful thing that they can do uh, just to show support. Um, and and then you've got Michigan State having the basketball players out to the Breslin over the last couple of days. This is everybody trying to pitch in to 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 make sports as it has always been an outlet, something fun for you to, to get away from bills, get away from yeah. you know mortgage payments and car payments. And, and you got to go make the repair and the whole thing. And you're able to escape for a couple of hours and, and have some fun. And, and sports has always been there and provided that for us. And, and even in a situation like we are in today here locally, Bill, mm-hmm. and, and in your hometown of Oxford, um, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're trying to do that. These teams are trying to provide an outlet. No question. And um, sports has always been a unifier, mm-hmm. um, not the only one, but certainly a one. important one, a big one. And, um, you know, we think back to 9-11 and the World Series when President mm-hmm. Bush appeared and threw out that pitch. I don't think anybody that watched that then or since will ever forget that. And Still get goosebumps, the, by the way. Still yeah, absolutely. Um, and he fired it as he yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> over the plate. Holy mackerel. And then just what the, the local teams have done, mm-hmm. the Pistons, the Wings, the head coaches, um, everybody has. Um, the Oxford basketball team, uh, the head coach is Steve Laidlaw, and he was able to practice at Matt Ishbia's um, facility, yes. um, United Wholesale Mortgage. Yes. And I mean, how important was it for those kids who probably were teammates and dear friends of some of those that were, yeah, that were injured, if not killed. And, you know, Matt is a prominent person in the community. He steps up and, and has Steve bring his team. I mean, you know, you can't put a value on that. It's, yeah. it's incredible. And then the way all the communities have reached out, I saw a photo um, and it just, it breaks me up every time I think of it, but there was this beautiful rendering and it it's been it's been in the media mm-hmm. uh that this student at lake orion the arch rivals right down the street sure. painted of a dragon the lake orion dragon cuddling a a wildcat both mm-hmm. with tears coming up and it is an exquisite work of art let alone what it represents yeah. and that's what we're all trying to do right now is just hold on to each other yeah. and never forget what happened and um and honor everyone as much as as much as we can yeah it's an interesting point and and you talk about the the way sports is is able to bring people together and Mm -hmm. and and even in a community like this where obviously it happened at a high school eventually yeah eventually you're going to be able to get back to sports and you're going to be able to to start getting back to things and 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 you, you um you're able to to have those rivalries with lake orion again and yeah and that's good 
That's good because that gets Absolutely. you back to normal. And and it's a it's a it's a healthy thing. It's something that you're able to and and it provides. And you know it's it's I mean it, it's not even just at at this point unique to 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 Oxford, but I mean high school sports like college has a there's an emotional connection there to your alma mater to your high school and you want your high school to do well and and so when you have those types of connections whether you live in Oxford now or you live there and and graduated from Oxford High School 40 years ago you have that connection and so sports is really unique in that way and and it, and it it's really nice to see what's mm-hmm. happening here in southeast michigan it really is chris and you know, over the years, just seeing what sports does to a community. And, and I, as I mentioned, I grew up in Pittsburgh, uh, which is a lot like Detroit, blue collar, hardworking, yeah. and the importance of sports in those communities at the professional level, the collegiate level, and the high school level is real. And it does bring communities together. And in situations like what we've just experienced, I, I think it's more important than ever to have that, that, that unifier and that ability to, to hold on to each other, uh, in a, in a different way, perhaps. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to uh, get you caught up on just a couple of other things. Um, uh, we do have a couple of finals and we've got a couple of finals from overtime, uh, 49ers Bengals went to OT and the Niners come away with the dub 26 to 23, uh, they scored a touchdown in that one. Uh, so the 49ers improved to seven and six on the year. And then the Bills able to push that one into overtime after trailing 24 to three at the half. Uh, the Bills able to come back. They score uh, uh, 24 points in the third and fourth quarters. Mm-hmm. And that one goes into overtime. Bucks finish it with a touchdown. Uh, they improved to 10 and 3, 33 to 27, that final from Tampa Bay. And, and you look at kind of how this thing shakes out for Tampa Bay now going forward. Uh, the, a few games without Antonio Brown, who's, yeah. who, who's the, the, you know, he's the Bentley in the stable of exotic cars, right? Like you've got everybody to choose from. Yeah. If you want to go fast, you got the horses. Uh, and and you, you got he's gonna have to sit one more week because this is his suspension. But you could see a path now for Tampa Bay to win their last eight games of the year. It's crazy. Right. It is crazy. That's why we love the game. Love it. Love it. That's why we love uh, it. Billy, it's been so fun hanging out with yeah. you. I appreciate you letting me uh, chop it up with you and talk Absolutely. some uh, football. It's good to talk with you. Likewise, Chris. Appreciate you. All right. That's Bill Keenis. I'm Chris Renwick. Sean Belegian should be back with you next week. Uh, so have yourself a wonderful week. And uh, Gridiron Wrap continues uh, next Sunday uh, right here on WJR at 7 o'clock. Have a good week. And we'll talk to you then.